Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that bass line is strong in that song. It's a good song to dance or drive to or just keep moving. And then, just when you think it's over, the breakdown comes. Oh, with the clapping? The, it's, uh-huh. it's the, it's the blues. It's like a blues get down. Yeah. It's like a good old, like, what I would think a hold down was. This is The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Album number 500 out of 500 on The 500 Podcast. This podcast and music are my heart and soul, guys. So thank you for joining me on this journey. This week... My guest is the one and only Byron Bowers. You can see Byron currently. He's playing Meldrick on the Showtime series The Shy, one of my first friends in stand-up comedy. He was a former roommate that almost fought me when he caught me using his butter. Butter, people. Like, literally threatened my life because he caught me using his Land O'Lakes. Well, it's the M.I. Cricket Lester coming around the South Road. It's Drake, Hammers, and Bows, and that old Southern... Outcast dropped. They Southern playlist of Cadillac Funky Music. South Southern music, man. We was all... We were dancing. Everybody was popping. You know what I mean? I think they call it twerking now. The dudes used to twerk. They would say, like, what? we would be in the club just booty hopping. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was a thing, yeah. We wait, were at parties wait, like wait. booty hopping, yeah. You, we you were step. Dudes twerk. were steps. Dude was step. You know what I mean? They would step. They would. They would. Uh, they do some shit called a rag talk, tick. We had all these dances that dudes would do. Like women didn't necessarily dance. I don't really remember watching women dance like that. Like so, shit was flipped. Like the girls yeah. were the wallflowers, and the guys were like, "Hey, yo, Tony, yeah, hit put that my shit. song on. Uh, hip hop meme, let's go. Let me see the toots and roll." Look at Byron, yeah. he's working his ass right now. That motherfucker. Tussie Roll, Doodoo Brown. Let me see your Doodoo Brown. I'm Josh Adamayas, your host, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you. Byron Bowers, guys, my first guest on the 500, and I could not have asked for a better guest. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys uh, to listen to this. Happy Halloween. I hope everybody had a great pre-Happy Halloween weekend, meaning you go out and you get drunk and you wear costumes, you go to your friend's house and shit. They always got the shitty candy at those parties, like, you know, now and laters and fucking just the crap. Tootsie Rolls. That's when you know somebody's broke. When they're handing out Tootsie Rolls, because that's just, you know, like, step your game up, Wayne. That was my neighbor's name, Wayne. I'm excited. You want to know why I'm excited? Because I've got some of the best guests in comedy. Bill Burr, Kevin Nealon, Big J. Okerson, Jim Jeffries, the Sklar Brothers. 
Ryan Sickler, Gareth Reynolds, Fortune Feimster. Not just comics. I'm going for actors. I'm going for musicians. We're getting everybody. I'm getting Oprah when we get down to number one, y'all. I'm definitely getting Oprah. I'm getting the biggest names in entertainment as we get further and further down this list because I've completely willed it. I Frederick Nietzsche willed it in my mind. I'm getting Oprah. I'm getting Usher. I'm getting Paul McCartney, the guy that played Chewbacca. And we're going to be breaking down Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list been posted in 02 is then 08 it was updated and then they did the finalized one in 2012 you can find it online we're gonna post but basically what we're doing is each week i'm gonna give my guest an album they're gonna listen to the album for the week then we come together and then we break it down we're gonna talk about what they grew up listening to we're gonna talk about the meanings of the songs facts from the artist Arguably, this is the greatest recorded music in the history of mankind, everybody. And I want you to go on this journey with me. I want you to listen to these records as we go through the list. Email me if you didn't like what the hell we're saying, if we miss shit. I want you to be a part of this because this is a record book club, guys. The list is online. You know what's coming up. And we are going to sit down with some pretty, pretty impressive guests. And we're going to talk about all this stuff. And I am so excited to bring this to you. It's going to take about 500 weeks, 9.61 years. The last episode, which is actually the first episode, it's weird, it's some weird memento type thing, is going to be airing on May 31st, 2028. I'll be 48 years old, and I'm going to look like Judd Hirsch from Independence Day, because my all my Semitic looks are going to start just coming out, and the ear hair is going to grow, and I'm just my back is going to slightly arch, and I'm going to be complaining a lot more. Before I get into it, though, I want to tell you guys why I'm doing this. Um, this isn't just like to 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 reach more people to to go through these records this all is because of my best friend of all time angelo bowers angelo bowers was a comic that i started stand up comedy with out here in los angeles back in 2008 i've never met anybody that was funnier than him that was nicer than him that was just such uh, an incredible person like he just he is just one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Um, he also was a huge music fan and a huge fan of Rolling Stone. Like, he knew every record there was. He knew the track listings. He knew who produced it. He was just an encyclopedia of music knowledge, amongst amongst many other random references, too. But he would tease me because he'd be like, hey, did you ever listen to Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan? And I'd be like, nah, I've never never listened to that record. And he'd be like, oh, come on, J-Mo, what the fuck? So he'd school me. He'd just keep saying, he's like, I'm schooling you, J-Mo. You need to learn about Bob Dylan. And I was like, all right, I'll get around to it. And like I said, he was obsessed with Rolling Stone magazine and was homeless for a long period of time where he lived on couches of other comics, myself and my ex-girlfriend. We had a little place together. Andrew would have sleepovers all the time at my house. His girlfriend, Maddie Shevsky, whoever it was, he stayed and found a way to, to you know, to, to stay out there and do comedy. But, but the mailman always found Angelo and got him his Rolling Stone magazine. And he passed his knowledge of how dope Rolling Stone magazine was off to me. And then I picked up the subscription and I've been a reader of Rolling Stone magazine ever since. So probably since like 2011. 
And then, unfortunately, Angelo passed away in 2012. It was a loss that many, many comics in the comedy community have never recovered from. We love him. We miss him so, so much. So this podcast is my way of honoring Ange. I don't feel like I want to do this so much as I have to do this because I want to learn about those records that Ange used to talk about. I want to learn about the stuff that, you know, all the the random facts about artists and albums and just the cool shit, man, that's out there. You know, I feel like everybody is kind of stuck. I think everybody just has their 40 artists they listen to, about 100 albums, and we just listen to that. It's what we grew up listening to. And we're just stuck on that, man. Somebody introduces some new music, and we're like, all right, well, I really don't like the way the direction of new music is going. It's too electronic. It's too this. It's too that. And and, and rightfully so, if that's what you believe. Because, like I said, you're stuck listening to fucking Silverchair still. You're still listening to Tomorrow, you know. I see the morning, I actually still listen to Silverchair. I'm not going to lie. That's one of the reasons I got to do this. I got to get I gotta get Silverchair out of my rotation. So I'm doing this for Ange, and I'm doing this for you guys, and I'm doing this for me, because I really, really feel like we're going to grow together, you know? I've already cried (laughs) a couple times listening to some of these records, man. They're beautiful. These artists have put their heart and soul and and everything into it, and I feel like we should do this. I feel like we should just jump on this fucking train and just ride this shit to May 31st, 2028. What do you say, people? Join me. Tell your friends. Tell your guidance counselors. Tell your your fucking rabbis, your priests. Tell everybody. Tell them to join the 500 following. Cool? Good. Today's guest is the only person I could have started this podcast off with. Because we're doing Outcast Equemini, uh, which was a very, very, like... Very, very popular record to a lot of my friends. I was an Outcast fan, but... I just never, never really got him until a little bit later, which we're going to talk about in this podcast. But my friend Byron Bowers is, uh, it wasn't even real butter. It was fucking margarine. That was the funny thing. Also, it was butter, man. If it was lunch meat, he caught me making a sandwich with his bread and his meat. He can kick my ass. That's, that's, that's eviction right there. I once caught a roommate in college drinking my milk. Oh, my God. I didn't do anything. I just I, was just, <laughs> I just walked in and I stared at him and I was like, really? But I got Byron doing Outcast Equipment, guys. He's one of the funniest comics working today. An incredible comedian. Such a deep thinker. Currently, he's playing Meldrick on the Showtime series The Shy. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys uh, to listen to this. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate and review. Please give it a five-star rating. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify. Please subscribe and listen to The 500 on your app of choice. This is fantastic. And let's go ahead with the one and only Byron Bowers. Uh-huh. Byron Bowers It's like Byron It's like Bowers You gotta go get your Byron With your Bowers 
Oh. You got a strapper on. He's wearing a goddamn poncho. You are fucking <laughs> Byron Bowers, my best friend, my former roommate. What's going down? My first guest on the 500. And Yo, congratulations, I, man. <laughs> thank you, baby. I love it. What are you This is going to be the most looked over episode <laughs> ever. They're like, Nobody <laughs> listened to five episodes in. <laughs> this is the- so thank you all for, for tuning in to the first uh, one that you heard and then going back to hear the one that I did. <laughs> I think people are going to be drawn to this one because it's such a powerful record more than anyone. All right, well, do me a favor, Byron. Tell me about uh, what you grew up listening to. Like, what kind of music was forced into your life at an early age? You're from uh, you're from Georgia. What part of Georgia are you from? Born in Athens, raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Born, raised in, in, in Atlanta. All right, so so what are you growing up listening to? What's your family putting in front of you? And, and the first thing I really you? remember is, like, all I can say is, like, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson. At what age was that? That's, like, got to be, like, three. You know what I mean? Or some shit like that. Is that coming from your mom? That's that one was on the. Uh, I remember looking at it on TV like Thriller, and it was the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember break dancing, uh, like at seven. I remember uh, when I lived with my grandmother, uh, the Fresh Prince album coming out. My auntie was just constantly listening to like. What are you talking about? The one with uh, parents just don't parents, understand. Uh, yeah, it's just a nightmare. Yeah. on my street. Yeah, that I thought was that hard. was the greatest shit. That Ever. was hard. That was hard. And then I heard, uh, and then I heard, Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet, and oh, I was yeah. a malicious little Jewish kid. I was like, I hear you, Professor Griff. I hear you. Yeah, you, I think you are the devil. <laughs> I didn't get into that part till later, but yeah, I definitely think that Michael Jackson, like those pop, that Mike and Prince was big because of my mom being young, so young. You know what I mean? Like my mom was like twenty, you know, twenty two, and like you know, twenty three. Yeah. You know, when I was like, you know, of age. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was a she was a young person herself and Prince and like Michael Jackson was hot. So everybody would lose their mind over that. And I remember these albums like off the wall, like the actual album covers. Such and, a uh, good cover, man. Yeah. Just that, that album in general is so fucking perfect. I like that more than I like Thriller. Well, I mean. Tonight. Yeah, it's some hits on there. And then you hear the stories, you're like, oh, yeah, this was slept on. You Dude. know what I mean? All right. So so off the wall, and that's your mom introducing that to you. Yeah, I had the Once Bitten soundtrack. You say Once Bitten, you mean from the movie? From the movie. The one with Jim Carrey? Yeah, I didn't know that was a Jim Carrey, but that was one of my favorite movies. All vampire stuff was my favorite. Once Bitten. Yeah. Hell, once Bitten. Once and uh, Fright Night. Uh, because it's Fright Night. Yeah. That's not it. That's no. Fright Night and uh, Lost Boys was like some of my favorite. Oh my god, joints. you are just you are just 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 playing a beautiful harp in my heart yeah. right now because. Well, that's what I wanted to be. The first thing I wanted to be was a uh, uh, vampire. All right, well, not to be before <laughs> you wanted to be a vampire. Yeah, I thought it you was such a, a good boy? life. You know what I mean? Then Lost Boys brought it to reality. You know. Like oh they don't they don't have a lot of women they don't dress nice you know what I mean what are you talking about they they dress like I dress well, that's how did. I dress well but to then all the other vampires they dress dope you know yeah but they I... had the velvet black with the white with the gold accents on it you know yeah I get it and uh, they had nice wood grain uh, 
accommodations. So if you liked all of that, but you you would have enjoyed the the you know flying over top of people having a nice beach party and biting somebody on the head and you know turning well that beach spaghetti part spaghetti into maggots. That beach part looked dirty. That was the Venice part. <laughs> Lost in the shadows. You need that. No, you need that Dracula feel. You want them ghouly, pale bitches to follow you around. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. That's the life you want. But that is the life. So yeah, I mean, those are some of my first albums. And a uh, little drama boy, I remember the Parumpa Pum Pum. I was spin that backwards. That so, was cool. And so, how did it? How did it start growing into what you listen to now? I mean, now you're listening to like a full gambit of music. I mean, I've been in the car with you and I've heard, you know, Stun Like My Daddy when we first became friends. Yeah. You know, recently Migos and and uh, and some of the new trap stuff. I mean, do you fuck with Future? Do you fuck with any of the new artists that are coming out right now? Oh, uh, I do fuck with all Southern artists. You know what I mean? Um, I put together a nice little playlist of Something you can wake up and go to Perfect. sleep to, yeah. Perfect. And I got yeah. the times of day that you listen to, to yeah. the, the, these songs. You know what I mean? To set the vibe of a, of a, of a day in Byron Bowers' life and the type of music that influences my day, which is a very nah, chill, yeah. privileged life. I, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? A, he's wearing a goddamn poncho right now, a pink poncho. It's beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. I don't even know if it's a poncho or or, or it says puta. That's why you bought it. Okay. No, that ain't mine. This is my latest. You know what I mean? You know. Oh, but you're just rocking it right now? I just it, put it on. It's like 90 degrees in this room and motherfuckers wearing a Oh, it's 90 to you? You're wearing a goddamn quilt. <laughs> it's not 90 to me. I'm kind of <laughs> chilly right now. All right. So all right. So, how do you feel your musical taste has grown over the years? I mean, do you feel like I don't know if it's accepting? grown because I'm not, I'm not like a pop culture guy, but yeah. I do like what makes me feel a certain way. You know what I mean? Anything that makes me feel like I'm on like LSD or psychedelics, I can rock with. Sure. Uh, sure. And then like you go back and hear like music that was created in the '60s and and like old jazz. And these motherfuckers was on it. You know what I mean? We. I I think from what I know about you is that you do have a wide. You're like your net. You cast a wide net when it comes to music because like I've heard you play hip hop and I've heard you play PJ Harvey before. I remember yeah. the first time I heard. Uh, Last Living Souls by the Gorillas was with you. Yeah, yeah. And man. I know it's a lot of it is it's bass related. You're very bass yeah. in your car. Like the Prelude had bass. Yeah, every car got bass. Every car I've owned had, even, had bass in it. Even the Porsche, they actually had no speakers, but just the the rumbling of the transmission yeah. caused so much bass. Yep. I'll never forget when you called me. He he was like, yo, man, I got a new car. And he's like, go outside. I was like, how far away? You're like, by about 10 minutes. I was like, all right, I'll go out and smoke a cigarette. And I go out there, and I'm puffing on this jack. And next thing you know, you hear, like, in the background, <laughs> yep. and I was like, what? Is the world falling apart? No. And then as it got, it just got louder and louder. And then you pulled up in, in a very beautiful 944, right? Yep. Silver 944, and then you're like, get in. And I got in, and you're like, hold on, let me make a U-turn. I've never seen anybody use the, as much strength as you used to turn that <laughs> motherfucking wheel. No power steering. It was all manual, uh, and that rumble is the sound of a German engineer back then in the 80s, man. I had them valves, 
and that ticking and that exhaust, you know, it got a very distinct sound like yeah. an old German car. So you listen to most of your music in your car, right? Yeah. Did you listen to this album in your car, like when I was telling you to get ready for it? Yeah, I did. I listened to it in my car, and it brought back, like, vibes, man. I remember going to, like, the drive-in and Starlight and off Moreland Avenue and, like, that time period of discovering that that part of uh, Atlanta as a as a adult now, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? As a young adult, when before I went as a child, I was sneaking into a sob trunk, you know what I mean, and yeah. watched the drive-in. But then as an adult, you actually like get the fuck in the drive-in, in the car, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And dude. watch I'm, movies. And- I'm always fucking the drive-ins. I gotta as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to see uh, uh, Happy Feet Part Three. And- bang something <laughs> man that's a long you gotta take a viagra pill you know what i mean well once again that brings us to our album which is the the first one we're gonna do let's just dive into it it's number 500 out of 500 on the rolling stone greatest 500 record list it's outcast 1998 release of Equemini. Yeah. all the songs written by andre benjamin and antoine Patton, aka andre 3000 and big boy and the album was self-produced with the help of Organized Noise, amongst many others. And this is probably the first real record where Outkast is venturing out and really discovering themselves. And I think that's that's something to... Not know. the first, but one of them. AT Aliens. Well, they say it at the beginning. So, so when, I mean, they even say it when they're doing that little, like, that little, like, part where it's like yo well you know like yo let me get some of that let yeah. me get some of those cds you know you got them i'll take that witch doctor i'll take sky high sky high oh that what they were saying yeah sky, they, high? sky high i mean i have no idea yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what they, that what they say <laughs> i mean yeah do you what is sky high is that is that from that's a song from uh uh goody mob album um and i remember the baseline for that you know what i mean and uh i think it's still standing was the name of that album and uh, it was the second song after the nigga experience. Uh, it's which my is favorite a, song ever. Yeah, the nigga, man, that shit was so hard. That, that CeeLo Green, thank you for that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Um, yeah, man, uh, that was an interesting time because when Outkast dropped, they Southern playlist of Cadillac Funky Music. South Southern music, man, we was all we were dancing, everybody was popping. You know what I mean? I think they call it twerking now with dudes used to twerk them say like what? we would be in the club just booty hopping, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was a thing, yeah. We were at parties wait, like wait. booty hopping, yeah. You we you were step dudes were steps. Dude was step, you know what I mean? They would step, they would they would uh 
they do some shit called a rag talk tick. We had all these dances that dudes would do. Like women didn't necessarily dance. I don't really remember watching women dance like that. Like so, shit was flipped. Like the girls yeah. were the wallflowers, and the guys were like, "Hey, yo, Tony, yeah, hit put that my shit. song on. Uh, hip hop meme, let's go. Let me see the toots and roll. Look at Byron. He's working his ass right now. That motherfucker. Tussie Roll. Doodle Brown. Don't stop. Pop that pussy. Let me see your doodle brown. Doodle Brown. I remember Doodle Brown. It was two versions of Doodle Brown. There's like, I think there's like nine. It was an Uncle Luke, and then it was a one uh, Frank Ski version. So, yeah, man. I'm an Uncle Luke fan. Dudes will be out there stepping, you know what I mean? And like, you know, booty hopping and just showing all the ladies what we got. And, um,. Then uh, it was fast, and then, you know, you coming into the late 90s, you got Triple C's Mafia, you got Player Fly, you got all the Tennessee pimp music, 8-Ball, MJG, you got Houston, UGKs, you, yeah. got, you got a lot of the still stuff that the, the roots of all of the blues, the strip club music, or what we call dance music. And then uh, I remember watching this video, um, and, the, and it came out like, man, the scene is so thick, all the players, all the hustlers. And that was the first Outcast video for Players Ball, and I remember the Atlanta jersey and the Kango with the with the uh uh you know in the lack you know what I mean and I was like I think I know that it starts like real slow yeah and, he's like, and then it drops it's just like beginning to look a lot like wood follow my every step take notes on how I crept I'm about to go in depth this is the way I come like oh shit this shit is dope and then all the images was from this I think Puffy directed that video by the way which is weird why is it just like that they're in a hall and there's well, like lights in front of them just all the Atlanta's the parks and all the greenery and uh, it wasn't none of that man it was just so simple compared to what Puffy was doing at the time yeah oh, no shiny suits or nothing you know so uh, and that set a tone you know what I mean uh, everything you know them winning group of the year they was on Martin's show uh, the East Coast West Coast beef was taking off and they were just in the cut they was in the cut. They was just in the cut, like letting the East and the West just fight each other. Just well, like, it we just, just down here creating magic, getting better. Well, it still was like someone was stumping on our on our voice. You know what I mean? Like we we definitely was was trying to break through f- for a long time, and this was our time. And then this whole all the news was just on the these beefs. And then you know Andre gave that speech at the war show. You know what I mean? That yeah. I still live by. This is my mantra. What is it? Can you, you go ahead? And He's like, all I'm saying point? is the, the South got something to say. You know what I mean? Everybody, you know, basically talking about you know East Coast, West Coast, this, but the South got something to talk about. It was short. You know what I mean? Uh, and then just walked off. And they was booing. They was getting booed. It was getting booed when they came to the stage when they won their award. You know what I mean? And what did they win for? Do you remember? Uh, group of the year. And this is for this isn't is this Equemini or is this for, no this is the first album oh this is for a Southern this going playlistic. back this going back ninety six it's going back to ninety six you mean you mean Southern playlist against Cadillac 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 funk and music you know so then it was all Southern it was all it was all street but to us to our street to what way the way we maneuver and then the next album was Equemini and that was on some next level. Well, no, you had AT Aliens. I mean, AT. I'm sorry, AT Aliens, which was on that next level, like conscience. Sure, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it came at a time when we were becoming young adults, 
in the game. So you, we was having these thoughts, you know what I mean? Yeah. So are you, what are you, what's going on in your life when you're finally starting to discover Outcast? Like, where are you? Are you still in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm definitely in Atlanta, man. This is 98. By the time this album came out, this is 98, right? Yeah. Uh, this is like, like a, a person that's like lost. Like I'm out of high school. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I had left home. In uh, 97, and I just touched back down in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm done uh, hustling. I hustled for a little while. I was trying to, I was in college just trying to figure out, you know, what to do next. It was no, it was no, you know, it was a gap. You know what I mean? Well, you just said you were hustling. What do you mean? I was uh, in the crack game for a little while, you know, and trying to go to college. And then I had a partial basketball scholarship. So I lived like a triple triple life and was not succeeding at none of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was weird because yeah, I was a dope, I was a dope student. Man, you do free throws like you bagged that dope. No, you know what I mean. So it's always off. <laughs> it's always off by about by about a millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that. You know what I mean? Yo, get the crack in the hoop. Get the crack. crack. Get the crack in the hoop. Do more suicides, man. Motherfucker can't and do pray. it. Goddamn. And pray. <laughs> and pray. You know what I mean? You praying, selling and, dope, uh, and yeah. fucking. And what's your name? It just dropped too. Uh, is is, uh, is is DMX? Get at me, dog. I remember that. Yeah. So I'm I'm like I'm in a Christian college hustling at night and then playing basketball, like running laps during the day, and I was hurt. I was hurt. You know what I mean? I had an injury that I was recovering from. You had so. a high ankle sprain? No, nah, it was a sp- it was a knee a knee sprain. <laughs> Niggas always jump that high ankle sprain. You know what I mean? It's like my favorite is my favorite fake injury. Oh man, I got a high ankle sprain. I can't take the trash out. You don't ask me to do that, girl. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh so yeah, it, I think it was just lost being lost out there and just trying to find out what's next, you know what I mean? So then when something like like out with Equemini comes out. How does that affect you the first time you hear that? Like, you know, as a person that's living this, this, you know, you're, you're, you said you were a triple threat of, of deception. You know what I mean? You're, you're the, you're the good church kid. You're, you're in college. So you're doing that. And then you're fucking selling crack. So does uh, this album, like, do, you know, when yeah, you it speaks to all, if you listen to the songs, it speaks to all that. Cause it's about trying to figure out. Like, how you got here and what's next, you know what I mean? It's yeah. people in that album that made bad decisions, and they keep making bad decisions. And here, I just I just quit, you know, selling uh, dope and basketball at the same... Like, my world was, like, crumbling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, pops on drugs. My mom just going through what she going through, like, trying to figure her shit out. And she was with this new nigga. And, uh, you know, just... Uh yeah, everything was just crumbling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, trying to find out where if it's a place for me in, in the world. You know what I mean? And then just coming off suicidal thoughts, also. You know. So uh, yeah, man, it was good to like come and like hear this record and be introduced back to the city uh, of Atlanta. You mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, try to have a new beginning. Sure. So that's what this record, you know, is about. You know what I mean? And what a way to then start the record 
for the first time you're hearing it for someone that's dealing with all of this and then the first song is Hold On Be Strong. Yeah. Which just like it it's like you start this record and you don't even know it's on for like 30 seconds you're like there's something wrong with my my bluetooth right now. <laughs> it's not picking it up and then it just creeps in. Yeah, that's the with thing. That beautiful Hold On. That was I said it was a vibe that just cut through all that and everything that was going on, like people, you know, we was like in the clubs bouncing, like there's a crunk era now. You're in crunk era when it comes to music. So we just f- pushing each other and like, you know, fighting and all. You know, ain't no trap. Trap music wasn't even out, you know what I mean, yeah. at the time. What's the what's the wildest song to get? Like what's one that would turn like the club crunk? What's the crunkiest song? At the time, yeah. I think, I I don't know if, if it's correct but i remember the the master p was big when i was in, when i was hustling ghetto dope was out i so, remember i remember because i remember like i was such a wu-tang fan and i was like man the fuck master p like i did not no yeah. limit because i had these friends that like no limit and i loved wu-tang and i was like fuck no limit man it's yeah, wu-tang it like, was, no, it even was, the way the rigid cd cases came with yeah. like <laughs> no limit car. ran no limit ran the streets you know what i mean yeah so Atlanta as a whole, when someone like Outkast and Goody Mob comes out and you're first hearing them, is this like something like, holy shit, these guys made it out and they're doing something that is making Georgia proud? Well, like, it's not do- a, even a thing of making – it is a thing of making it proud and showing people this is our sound and this is our voice outside of everything else that's going yeah. on. Um, and, but it, and it's putting us on the map, but we still got other stuff bubbling. Like Outkast is putting us on the map nationwide or throughout the world but it's still some shit bubbling under the surface sure you know what i mean uh so that's what's important you know this album talks about all that it talks about the crunk it talks about you know uh being conscious and it talks about it's trap stuff in this album too you know there's like there's three songs about selling dope yeah like we we could jump up to one of them right now um slump is a hunt, which is I find to be like the catchiest song on the record. Is do 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 play it, Peter. From front to back street, listen, we on a mission to get right. You can hear it. It's something, yeah. You can just hum that while you just like. I'm strictly stressing dirty, dirty. Go represent to the T top. It's such a dope. Bought it bread up on the street top. Get the money in the sweet spot. And forever holla. Well, Slump's about selling drugs. You used to deal drugs. Uh, when you listen to that song, Slump. I feel I dabbled in I've never been as hardcore as like people I know. You so know were, you, I mean? were you a bad drug dealer? You uh, said you were bad. Like, I why was, were you bad? Because like, I was oh, I was on my P. Like, I, I, I pretty much was like a good kid. Up until this time, you know what I mean, and just life showed me a bunch of shit that just I just didn't resonate with. So I started to break bad, but you know, there's niggas out there that was doing it, and then there was niggas out there who really was like in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's some lines I just didn't want to cross because it was there's no coming back from that. 
Sure. You know what I mean? Like, the first deal was soap that we had or something. It wasn't real crack. It wasn't real. Oh, you were selling shady shit. Well, I mean, we took a chance. It's the worst thing you can do to a, an addict, by the way. Somebody oh, yeah, once we sold know. me a fake Oxy pill, and I, <laughs> I snorted yeah. it and realized it was heart medication. Well, that's how you find out that it's, it's bad because you always give it to somebody, the, the sample. And that's how you. That's your word of mouth then. That's your advertisement. You know what I mean? Before it was an Instagram or anything like that, you give somebody a hit a rock and they go tell everybody. So you give them a little Instagram story yeah. of Coke. Yeah, you give them a little Yo, 10 seconds. Get this little, like 10 seconds <laughs> yeah, of crack. Get this 10 second bump right here. You don't get the full picture, that's going to be $20. And you can't let the word get out that it's bad because your whole business, you in run at that time. So you had to go like stop that from happening and then find out what's going on. So it already started crazy. So does so does slump listening to the lyrics about that or the way they're describing selling dope? Um, does that you know does that affect you at all? Does it bring you back to that or or do you identify? Uh, only I don't identify because I the people in those in those in those songs that did it they so deep in the game and they mm-hmm. got so much responsibility and they doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's different than when you like you know nineteen eighteen doing it than when you like twenty five thirty. Doing it, you sure. Know what I mean? Yeah, when you're nineteen, when I was nineteen, eighteen, dr- nineteen, eighteen, when I was nineteen years old as a as a as a drug dealer, my short stint as a ketamine dealer. I mean, yeah. I did all my ketamine. Oh I, shit! I, well, I, yeah, I, I would I would make my money back and then in this do all the rest and then dance like a prick, you know, with, with goddamn angel wings on and and stickers all over That's my hilarious. face. <laughs> no, I wasn't even drinking at the time, you know. Yeah, really. Yeah, I noticed that about you is that first when I first met you, it's like you you really didn't drink. It's like you've started coming into that as you've gotten older, like you were talking about psychedelics. I know you've dabbled in that. And yeah. I, I, what I love about it is that you're doing it now as more of the experience of like how can I grow as a person as opposed to, you know, I'm just trying to get fucked up, which is yeah. where I'm at with drugs and psychedelics. No, I think you can get to that point, though. I've done drugs like that. Like, I want to get fucked up. I just want to smoke or something now. It's like, how can I push it? And they, like, don't. Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, fuck that shit. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I can see how you get to that point. But it's still, yeah, an experiment. But it took so much. You know, uh, growing up with an addict as a parent, you know what I mean? You tend to shy away. Especially, like, uh, you see somebody go from something to nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, which is hard to see somebody do. It makes you kind of shy away from these things. And then yeah. you add religion, the religion aspect in it sure. also, you know, uh, and just trying to make sense of the world around you. And that's just one thing. But I didn't believe in emotions either. I got a problem with emotions also. Yeah. Because um, to me, that's what, you know, still like get people fucked up with a lot of shit. The ability the want, the need to feel something. Sure. You know what I mean? And I think if you block that out, you could be productive. But life is boring because I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go into the second song on uh, on the record, Return of the G. Just play the intro, Peter. I like the way it comes in. Oh, it's just so sick, dude. It is so sick. That, mm, boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? And it's what I love is what Andre yeah, says right, right at the beginning right of it. He's like, I think it's like, just, uh, it's setting up the whole record. Because it's like, I tone. eased you in. I eased you in with Hold On, Be Strong. Yep. And then he says, uh, he says, like, uh, people always be hollering peace. You know what I'm saying? Peace, my brother. Peace this, peace that. You know what I'm saying? But every time, I, this is where it's important. Every time I try to get a peace of mind... People try and get a peace of mind. 
so I got to grab my piece. And I love that. And as you listen to the lyrics in that song, it's literally Big Boy and Andre, especially Andre. Andre's literally going off yeah. on people like, no, he's like, you know, this is what I want to do. I am being as me as possible. Yeah. Because I, I don't, but don't take this for granted because I still bust your ass. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Big Boy has like the greatest lyrics. If I, can, I never can get them right, but it's like, yeah, I'm going to blow, sit my gators off, watch my little kid blow bubbles, man. which I love. Yeah, a nigga don't want no trouble. Yeah. <laughs> man, a nigga don't want no trouble. I just want to sit back with my gators on with my little kid blow bubbles. Ooh. But that's all, Ooh. all they really want. But, but I mean, the way that fucking Dre goes off at the beginning, I mean, it's it's literally because my introduction to Outcast is this record. Like I, ne- my friends listened to him. Maury Rollins used to listen to Outcast. I never fucked with them. I was a Wu Tang fan. So the first real introduction is was this song at fucking nine thirty club. I went to go see Outcast uh, and Black Eyed Peas. Oh shit! And yeah, dude, and fucking. And dude, Black Eyed Peas was the shit, dude. Like, let me not, let me, I'm not gonna fool you, man. Because Outcast comes out, they close, and fucking Big Boy comes out first, and then Andre comes out, and this motherfucker is wearing no shirt. He's got pants that are made out of Muppets, right? And then he's got on like an old woman's green wig, like he's got like Estelle Getty hair from Golden Girls, but painted green. And I'm like, who is this motherfucker? <laughs> and also, we were talking about drugs earlier. I was all fucked up on Molly, ecstasy at the time. Molly hadn't really come out, and fucking dude, Outcast blew me away, like blew me away. I gotta give it up though. Fucking Black Eyed Peas came a little bit harder though, dude. Yeah, dude, Black Eyed Peas. Was the shit, dude. When that first record came out, the one with joints and jams, that was the shit. And then they had to go all creepy with the, the, the fucking futuristic shit. But the funny thing about that about that night was as Outcast is on, I'm in the fucking in the in the crowd, like dancing, sweating my ass off on ecstasy. And next thing I know, Will I Am comes walking up by me, right? And so, I, I mean, I look like death, by the way. I'm just, like, grinding my face. It's a little etard. And he walks up, and I, I stumble up to him, and I go, Hey, Will, I am. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, you know how you have that song, Say What If You're Feeling It? And I'm, he's like, yeah, man. And I go, well, say what? Because I'm feeling it. Oh, and shit. then I just go, I'm trying to give him, like, a big hug. And he's like, oh, get your ass away from me. He's like, let me sign your hat. That's hilarious. I got to tell this story. I got one more Will I Am story is years later. This is at the Hollywood Improv. Remember when I was dating that that one big titty girl? Yeah. Yeah. So what name you going to say? No, she's great. And I love her to death. But she she was friends (laughs) with this other. She was great. But she was dating. Not dating. She had this one girlfriend who used to fuck Will I Am, right? And so I'm hanging at the improv. It's me and Sickler, and and the and the girl runs up to me and she goes, "Hey, Josh, not just I'm just gonna let you know, give you a heads up. Will I am is coming to the improv uh, to hang out. Don't worry. Um, he knows that I'm with you. I think he he's trying to get with me, but I just he's in the area. And I was like, okay, this is a little weird. Next thing I know, five minutes later, Will I am comes walking by, and he dude, he's dressed like fucking Obi Wan Kenobi, like he's got one fucking like he got a lightsaber, like the guy was just as ridiculous dressed as it could be, and he goes in and sits down, and uh, and so I walk up and I kind of like put my arm around around the girl, and his face gets a little ruffled, and he goes, 
and he goes, is, and he points, he points at me, and he points at the girl, and he goes, is this your boyfriend? And I look at him dead serious. I go, Will, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But, but, and but, that's the night he made it a vendetta to bang your girl. Yeah, he might have. He might have ended up doing it. I don't know. Not then. But what I, what I love about this song, and, and, and Return of the G kind of affects the way that I, that I look at you, because I've known you for years, man. And there's since I've known you, there has been this change, and I I think it's beautiful. I feel like it's you becoming out, being yourself, being wilder, more free. The outfits, the fact that you're sitting here wearing a goddamn pink sarapa, you know. How have the people that you were with since day one from back home adjusted to these kind of changes? Has anybody said anything? Do people not really? Because like people like when I landed from from Tennessee. Uh, I landed change, so it was like a return of the gangster moment uh, for me, you know what I mean? Because I came back with like a vendetta loss, but I was angry at this time because everything just was fucked up at that point. The world was shit. They told me if I graduated from high school, things would get whatever. That wouldn't work out. Religion wouldn't work out. Motherfuckers was dying. Somebody I know got locked up for murder, like all type of weird shit, right? Yeah. So, uh. And it's funny you mentioned some of this stuff because I just talked to Neil Brennan and I was with somebody from Atlanta and he was like, "You see how this dude dressed?" Uh, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that's Byron." And he was like, "He probably was all like this in Atlanta, but when he came here, he tried to dress calm for a while, and that's what it was." You know what I mean? I came when I got landed. Yeah, you were you were you were leather jacket, t-shirt. Orioles hat you used to rock that Orioles hat yeah. all the time. As a hoodie, like a dirty hoodie that you yeah, gave you dress me. Like you dress like a comic. Yeah, you know I mean now you dress like. And if you like would have known me, you, look, you dress like the manager for a professional wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker, you wear. I've seen you wear jumpsuits. I, I've seen you. Yeah, wear but if Muppet you were, pants. if you go back to my college, if you yeah, you go back to my college days. I wore the I wore the Andre three thousand Muppet pants at talent shows, and I wore the jumpsuits, the flight yeah. suits. Yeah, can I tell you something? The the hair the the hair that that Andre three thousand had at the nine thirty club, your grandma had at my birthday party. <laughs> he had your grandma's hair. Byron came to one of my birthday parties. The only time I ever had a surprise birthday party, and my ex girlfriend uh, threw it for me. And I walked in and it was like surprise. And Byron's there with his mom, his grandma. I mean, and they all look like Byron. And then eventually they left, and then two comedians beat each other up in my birthday party. Oh, that was one of my favorite favorite nights ever. But yeah, but it's I think there's how could you not be influenced? I mean, it's somebody to look up to when you're fucking dealing with all the shit that you were dealing with. And I mean, someone to come out and be that free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I could imagine, and and I'm and I'm I'm comparing it to this. I could imagine being. You know, being like a gay guy and you looking up to Elton John and seeing somebody like, oh, I can go out and do that. I can be this flamboyant person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's letting you know that you're allowed to 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 think outside of the box. And and that's what Andre did. And yeah. I mean, big boy, true. big boy tended to stay in. And throughout this album, that happens. It, it really starts to show up on like Rosa Parks, which was the big hit for me where I had never like I had never like really when people would talk about outcast rosa parks was the real first introduction because that was their first hit i think the best part of of uh of of the fact that he comes out of return of the g and then goes into rosa parks is that it really does take you back to your southern roots you know what i mean yeah, like that's that true. just the the chorus the aha hush that fuss everybody move to the back of the bus do you want to rump and shrump which i think are things that you said are dances i assume 
Yeah. Yeah, you were talking about like, This is remind yeah, the party man, the party was all in way well, in the back of the bus in high school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and, always. Uh, even if you look at those times when niggas couldn't even sit in the back of the bus or in the front of the bus, you know the back of the bus still was the most fun part of always. the Always. It was bus. always that's where the mischief's going down. Yeah, the shit that's talking. I, that's where I made out with Noel Lemire for fourteen seconds. First French kiss of my life. Great Seneca Creek camp. Noel, what's up, girl? I know you out there in Australia now being a teacher. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas. And we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you could make yeah, you could make the bus hop from the back of the bus. You could yeah. rock the bus. So, I mean, yeah, uh, and that song is just a party anthem of that, and just showing the southern roots, but in a fun way. It's like a silver lining. It's like my comedy when you take the silver lining yeah. of something. It's like, oh, we finna make this back of the bus thing work. You know how people did soul food and that, and they and they made a party. And I like the hold down in the middle of the song. Oh, it's doing a breakdown. You know what I mean? Play that for a second, Peter. Oh, breakdown. So from from this song, right? Fucking Rosa Parks sued Outcast. The pair had to pay an undisclosed amount of cash to uh, make right with civil rights uh, activist Rosa Parks because they used her name in the song, and her family didn't like that. They said they didn't like uh, we the type of people make the club get crunk. Uh, because it, it sent an entirely wrong message uh, that the that Rosa was not trying to spread. So let me ask you a question: What civil rights leader would have made the club get crunk? Man, that's tough, man. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I already know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say uh, Dick uh, Dick Gregory. Okay. All right, yeah, yeah, he's a comic. I mean, deep thinker. He, he probably did because he partied with Richard Pryor yeah. and all those motherfuckers. Yeah. But dude, MLK had like nineteen, you know, mistresses. Yeah, but I mean, you would t- I, to me, MLK is a speakeasy crunk guy. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, okay, uh, I see it. You know, if I want to, yeah, he's a speakeasy crunk guy. So yeah, he would made he would have made it get crunk on the low, just probably by a look. But then he would also shut it down too. But you niggas stop. <laughs> We out here, and y'all just trying to, oh, let me get some pussy later on. No, I don't know what it did. You know what I mean? You know, but, um, yeah, I think him, maybe. We uh, got to bring the people together. That's what we got to do. All right. Be over at my hotel around 11 p.m. I'm going to kill yeah. girl. The one in the back. You know what I mean? I'll eat your booty like groceries. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, they had real groceries too. You know what I mean? Wasn't no processed shit. No. So when they ate the booty, they ate the booty. You know what I mean? <laughs> when Dr. Kingdom ate ass, they ate that sweaty civil rights ass. That back of the bus ass. That back of the bus ass. What you doing in the back of the bus? Sniffing seats? That's what we doing. That's what the fuck we doing. Uh huh. Rosa, hush that fuss. Move your black ass to the back of this goddamn bus. Nah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that was weird, but, I mean, she <laughs> shut the fuck up when she got that money. Yeah. Look how quiet it got. <laughs> That's just a G, saying some G shit, you know what I mean? You're saying it right, man. You were saying it right. All right. You were talking about spreading the word of, uh, of, of getting Southern rap out there. The next song on the album, Skew It on the Barbie. Not one of my favorite songs, even though I'm a Wu-Tang fan. Like, I love Raekwon so much. Uh, and they both, like, Raekwon and Dre kill their verses. And a lot of people are saying that this is the song that blew up Outkast in, in the Northeast, in New York. It was a song that people, because nobody really wanted to fuck with Southern rap before that. Like you were saying, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's also what blew up Raekwon and Wu-Tang and the East Coast shit really down south that they could see that merging of of two cultures. You know what I mean? Well, I don't. Yeah, that's I don't understand that people say that that was a song. But to me, it just I don't know. I don't get it like you. But I do know it's something. It's something mystical about that track. You know, what I mean, it's something within that track that just rides when you listen to it, you know, and uh, both of these both of these guys are spitting, you know, uh, you know, Raekwon spitting the Wu Tang language, which is you got to decipher that shit. And then you know, Big Boy, everybody like come on that track and just destroy it. But it's something about the track itself that just rides. It's like if you was to let, uh, it's like to me like turning on a computer and watching the 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 electricity move through the motherboard. That's how that track is. It just goes, you know. And it's it's a sound in that sonically that just it just rides and take you to another place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love the idea that they're saying that this is what opened both parties up to different audiences. What has caused you to broaden your craft and your perspective? Like like taken from this, like has there been any kind of thing that's? that's I think travel to- traveling to different places and seeing other cultures in their element. You know what I mean? Like it's it's cool to meet somebody that's from a different place and ask questions yeah. or a different culture but it's another thing to be immersed fully immersed in their in their culture and you see the similarities you see the uh the hypocrites and everything like you like you experience in your culture which makes you a little more calm and a little more open to see how much human we are you know yeah which a lot of us aren't you know what i mean we fight it so much yeah so we to do. be able to i to, still do you know, yeah. I feel weird. I go to it when I go like to go see the, you know, get out of Los Angeles now. And I've been here 11 years to go to another town. I mean, it's I feel comfortable, but it's still that you just feel you feel off until you've been there and really gotten to know. And you or you yeah. have that like that that guide to kind of show you around and just introduce you to everything. 
I love it, man. Which brings us to Equemini, which I also feel just when from this song, this is like if you listen to some of the music that's out now, like as soon as I heard this, I was like, what? You know, what is Outkast's influence? I was like, well, this sounds exactly like Kendrick Lamar's yep. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Yep. Like 100% you could see what, what Kendrick was probably listening to, you know, when he was a super young kid. And it's just, it sounds just like it. It's also Andre's best verse on the record. Play it, Peter. Original skin, any man comprehend. I extend myself so you go out and tell a friend. Stand all depends on what you believe in. Faith is what you make it. That's the hardest shit since MC Ren. See, I, I need, I need both of them. I need, I need when Big Boy come in and Andre to top it off. But yeah, that's my favorite song. Country man, album. I can flan, I can jam. Just the way it starts with the guitar strums. By Ren. You know what I mean? It's dope. And then the way they just come in and rap on it. Uh, the, yeah, it's my favorite song on the album, too. It's just, and it also, I feel like it's the, it's them basically saying to everybody, it's, you know, because they're acknowledging that, that all great things come to an end, right? So even how good ever their career is, like whatever, however high we get, but as long as we stick together, like we're going to be fine. Yeah. That's basically what they're saying. All right, let's get the synthesizer. But- I hate this song. I hate synthesizer. You know, like, hey, look, I'm gonna tell y'all something y'all might not know. What? If, if you take acid, right, or or mushrooms, and while you on it, while you peeking, if you play this song synthesizer, you will actually hear George Clinton on the phone negotiating with a prostitute from back pages. That's what he's re- okay. I didn't know that's because I was going to bring up like the one of the reasons I'm like, I put my headphones on to listen to the song. I was like, wait, hold on. What is this dude saying? Valley girls are horny tonight. Synthesizer. Yeah. Fuzzy logic. Their pubic virginity. Synthesizer. Yeah, I don't know. Ghetto boy. <laughs> horny tonight. SCSI with a booty in a cage. Now, that's the only line I understand because everybody wants a booty in a I cage. I don't know whatever exactly the NCSI is. what he's saying, but in my mind, that's what he's doing. He's in the studio trying to negotiate with some back page pussy, and they recording the whole thing, <laughs> and that's how the song happened. Probably. And then at the end, he just starts singing, like, you know. With your laptop on your lap, well, a digital good time. Well, I do like good, good, good. play digital that part, good. Peter. I do like that. But then you read the lyrics. You read the lyrics. You read the lyrics. You start to realize that this is them basically saying that that society is starting to venture into the in favor of the synthetic products. And, and they're opposing the natural human experience. I mean, it's saying it in that fine, that interlude where he's like, in tonight's news, 20th century technology, hose the computer age. Scientists and doctors gone, have, have scientists and doctors gone too far? And he goes, are we digging into new ground or digging our own graves? Story at 11. It's almost like they knew. Yeah. They knew they saw cell phones because that's really the jump of cell phones. When people, yeah, 98. They see cables starting to expand. The Internet Sprint, starting to get Sprint bigger. had that gray flip phone with the oh, antenna came get out. that motherfucking razor in a few years, baby. Give me yeah. that razor. When the razor dropped, that man, was the world the went crazy. Do you remember when you could play Snake on your phone? And you're yeah. like, who knew you're playing Snake on your phone? You're like, man, dude, we're ruining Everybody the- had the Internet. Goddamn climate change. It was like two years prior to that bootleg situation. Went from the crack game to the crack game, baby. Yeah, this whole back half of the album is on another trip. 
Well, West Savannah is like is like one of their older cuts, and you can hear it throughout the song. Uh, and it's just a really great story about Big Boy talking about his hometown in Savannah, Georgia. I mean, it's really like him painting a picture, like just the way that he does it. My favorite lyrics from that, from West Savannah, he's like, but the brothers around the avenue and the hoes that love me, they want to be me and my family too because the money that I make be put in cable in every room. That is such a great 1998 way of, of talking about how you got bread. Like, yeah. I got cable in two rooms <laughs> yeah. in the apartment. That's that's that simplicity, man. That's what we go for at the end of the day. You ever see an old person just out on the porch just staring? It's like, that's what it's about. Dude, I used to have that joke that is like, you know, all, you know, I was dating a 23-year-old, and she wants to go out and party and get drunk and do that and do 20. But that's 23-year-old people shit. And I'm like, I'm 38, but I want to do 70-year-old people shit. Man. Like stare out a window for a couple of hours, tend to a bonsai tree. Like, who that? Wait, who that out there? Yeah, who's we got a new mailman today. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, you shit. coming early, huh? We no, spent we just, a lot of time on this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine because we, I already got into the artist storytelling part one, which is probably the, this is I think the song. If you really, because I finally read, I read the story finally. I finally read the lyrics so I could figure out both those stories were. It's it's it shows you the way both of those two artists think. You know, Big Boy's story is about fucking a groupie. Yeah, that's all that's about. It's just like I gave her. You know, she came in, she gave me some, uh, she ducked my. My sick, as he says. Yeah. And then Dre's story is just a sad story about a kid that he knew uh, when he was young, this girl. And she uh, wanted to be, when he asked her what she wanted to be when she was growing up, she just said, alive. So let me ask you this question. The flip side of that story is is he's talking of Dre's story about losing people to the game. A girl, she overdosed at the hand of her bad boyfriend in her life. Like, how many people do you know that you've that you've lost from just the game i mean and, and angelo included i mean that's that's just i mean that happens a lot man uh even the game of comedy or this this entertainment business consumes consumes us that i feel i broke broke free from yeah you know what i mean so um but yeah man i lost i lost family members to drug the drug game um some got out and live regular lives now which is cool uh i lost you know, I got one in jail now. Um, hope he get out soon. But it's uh, and then you know, a homeboy that that's about to get out. He did twenty five years, or twenty over twenty years. So, yeah. uh, what he go in for? Murder. Ooh. And um, I'm like, damn, you did the whole twenty? I thought it was bullshit. Sometimes. Well, usually they let you out after like fifteen. If you good, you know what I mean. But he light skinned so I guess the judge was dark skinned and was like, nigga, you doing the whole twenty? You know what I mean? What do I look like? Well, you got good hair, man. Put but the nigga going to look bad. The nigga going to come out looking young and, and decent looking more than like the people that, that was out the whole time. He got no stress. He ain't got no stress. He more pale. You know what I mean? He, does, he has got no sunlight. The Actually, look, jail. Look like were... Prometheus. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'll be honest. If you go to jail. He looks like Prometheus. If you, jail, if you go to jail, means, you want to. I know what that means. If you go to jail, you want to do 20 years. You want to do 20 years because it's like time traveling. The shit you got on when you went in is popular now. It's back in style. So you're going to come out as if nothing ever happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except you're just going to be asking for like weird stuff that they don't sell no more. 
Yo, what's up, Lil Ray? Yo, see, you rocking them same cross colors you were wearing Yo, back in the day. Guess eat. what? They back in play. They back in. Grab, grab your Carl Cotty and if, sh- and shoes. And if you get released on Halloween, you ain't even got to change clothes. You can wear your jump, jail right. jumpsuit right out <laughs> into the world. You know what I mean? You go right into the world. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Trick or treat. What, they, what the fuck is a milk dud? <laughs> they didn't have those. The weed, the weed is better. Like yeah. you coming out to a better situation. But uh, yeah, man, I I think I lose. You lose people to everything at this age in your late thirties. Whether it's, it's health, like every game, every facet of the game. You know what I mean? And it's good to lose people to 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 being present and being alive. That's what you want to lose people to. You know what I mean? Yeah. The song Mamacita. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a good segue. This is, in my opinion, the worst. Remember- yeah, go ahead. The worst song on the record. Play, play the chorus, Peter. You know, it sound like a, uh, one of those Japanese movies when they break, when they taking the wife from the from the family and they both yelling out to one another. Mamacita, Papa Daniel. Mamacita! No, no, Papa Daniel! Mamacita! No, no, Papa Daniel! Clunk. We are his master now. No, Papa Daniel! And then now it's in a Wu-Tang song. That was written uh, by, not written, that the chorus, which is funny because I did the research on this. I was going to do this for facts, but fuck it, man. We're here now. Complex Magazine listed this chorus as one. They listed this song as one of the best songs ruined by a horrible chorus. Oh, so it still got voted something. Yeah, it got voted something. Hey, it ain't bad. And it's 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 because of uh, the girl who sang it. Is her name is Masada, and she's part of the Dungeon family. And in my yes. opinion, in my opinion, uh, put her ass back in the dungeon. <laughs> that shit is whack. Why do rappers always want to help out their, their friends and their friends are always whack, dude? Like, why is that? Like, they're always like, I'm going to start a record label, Murphy Lee, you know, to help your ass out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nelly. You're the shit. Why do you right. say Murphy? Because Murphy Lee wasn't bad. You know how many All people right. was in the St. Lunatics? Yeah, oh, dude. That and was... you remember Murphy Lee's, that lets you know it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. And two, it's not only that, it's football players, it's everybody got to help out people because these are the people you're going to be giving money to anyway. So why not try to teach them how to fish? That's all you're trying to teach motherfuckers yeah, how to I, fish. Yeah, you know I what I mean? That's, that's a good perspective. Like They'll throw their grandma on a trap. Track, which people are doing now. They throwing grandmas and everybody on there. You know what I mean? Young Dolph just put his mama on the song and she was just like, How long this shit gonna take? She's like, hey, she's like, Grab me my lipitor. Grab my lipitor. Grab me my lipitor. Hey. Grab my lipitor. My cholesterol's high. That's the thing. You and know I what bet mean? you wonder why. You gotta get it in. That's that's why, man. You gotta get people you gotta get people money. They just hanging around. They wanna be part of it too. Yeah, but dude, it's like I mean, is it Dungeon Family? Who is it? It's how who? many members are Insane Clown Posse? I don't know. I, don't, I, know. I love how you think that I'm just because I'm a white guy. I listen to Insane Clown Posse. No, I don't I think like, that you listen yeah, to. Yeah, but you motherfucker, you I'm just saying <laughs> it's a bunch of like, Wu Tang. Wu Tang, no, dude. Wu Tang has like fifty hip hop groups that all sucked. Killer Bees. Sons of Man, Rough Riders. How many Rough Riders is it? There was. There was. I'm just naming people who just want to be was, attached to the group that they go get the logo tattooed I hate on. It. You know who I thought was the worst was uh, was Young Buck and Lloyd Banks from G Unit. Oh, I you was thought like, those was the motherfuckers worst? are whack, dude. Dude, and Young Buck, he's in the news right now. He's he's getting Snapchat. Oh yeah, <laughs> saw, I saw that on Bossip. Like, <laughs> like Young Buck is 
That's how you said slept with, with a transsexual? With a transsexual. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Was she bad, though? Was she bad? She's bad, yeah. Oh, she well, was bad. Don't, yeah. But, but he's, he's fronting like he's not doing it. And she's shown everything on his... On his, she's oh, thinking, real? Yeah, dude, you can't you can't do anything online. You got to do everything on a phone call nowadays. Especially hey. if you try to you try to fuck a a tranny and you're not trying to let it be known. You just gotta and you're famous. Yeah, you gotta you get. Well, they call him Young Buck. That's what Young Bucks do. <laughs> they buck. You know what I mean? He bucked. <laughs> Knuck of you buck. Knuck of Here's you. the thing though. Yeah. I don't know. What was it? You said called Lloyd Banks and yo. What about Tony Yayo? You forgot Tony Yayo? I don't even remember Tony Yayo. Tony Yayo would do this in the songs. I don't remember that shit. Okay. He was in jail. When when it first started, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he came out to a million dollars. And that's what him. it's about. You well, know what I mean? Listen, I, I understand it. I love how you said yeah. that you want to help the people out that you, you got grew to, up man. with and you're going to give them money anyway, so why not put them to work? Then you, the you first s- people going to call and ask you for something. I remember my, my best friend called and was like, hey, man, you got a pistol? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you need a gun now. I was like, why you say that? He's like, because you've been on TV. I did Alice Vine House Party. He was like, <laughs> you've been on TV. People going to think you got money and shit and try to rob you. He's like, man, that I was like, nigga, 000. I was like, nigga, you trying to rob me? You know what I <laughs> mean? It make you paranoid, man. You know what I mean? So. Uh, so you had to put that dude to work? Yo, man, why don't you come over here and organize my. You see how many niggas work security for people and they yeah. not even trained? Now rappers got trained security because they, they learn from before because they would get sued because they homeboys going around shooting people and, and beat the shit out of somebody instead yeah. of just getting them off yeah you see that all the time dude you see that all, I remember seeing and you can't blame their homeboys because they just trying to protect their investments you know of what I mean that's <laughs> their money dude that's their <laughs> yeah, no, they trying to protect their Nelly, investment Nelly was Murphy Lee's 401k yeah, that, no, right? he's like I need he's like man you better when you fucking uh, do, I don't even know any of his songs. What's that one song that came out? That was the first one, the like the fucking what was the first? Mm, and I said, doom doom baby, house get in a danger, doom doom baby, uh, 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 let, 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 it, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, Spotty Audi Dopealicious, probably the most musically realized on the whole album. And I think after reading about the uh, making of it, there was a really good article about this, is that they had all the time in the world to make this record. And I feel like Spotty, I, I'm saying it wrong, Spotty Odie Dopealicious yeah. is is the perfect example of where the direction that they were going because that is all live instrumentation, yeah. all real musicians working on this. They're spending time. It has... It has such a great mix of people. It has Sleepy Brown on it. And it's also the most casual. They're not even rhyming through it. And the best lines, in my opinion, is is Dre's when he goes, As the plot thickens, it gives me the dickens, reminiscent of Charles. I don't know what the fuck that means, but god damn. Just play a little horns real quick. <laughs> You know what that means? That's a Charles Dickens reference. I know what it means. But you know what's you know what's funny? I found this out about the song. I thought you might get a kick out of it. You know how she go they go, damn, 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 James. No, it's James. It's not damn. I thought it was I thought it was. No, James. James. It's from what's your name? From Good Times. Good Times, yeah. I had no idea. So so ladies and gentlemen, here's what you so when they say that it's damn, 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 James. That's from the television show Good, Good Times, times when yeah. James, the head of the house, died in an accident. Florida, his wife, I love that name. <laughs> Yo, where Tallahassee at? Get your ass over here, girl. She loses her composure at the funeral and she starts screaming, damn, 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 damn. 
And uh, they say that's one of the realest moments in not only the series, but one of the realest moments in television. One of the most famous moments, yeah. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Do you ever try to fit any of your references into your comedy? I try to do that. I try to do Lost Boys sometimes. I always like fit in the... uh, any way I can find a way to talk about the dude, the sax player? Yeah. That's that's one of mine. Do you have any is there any reoccurring themes in any of your comedy that are something that you're influenced by? Like that's just not you know, you try to fit it in? Uh I mean, yeah, it's like death, like suicide, mass shooting. I meant more pop culture. <laughs> oh well, um Yeah, I think I had some Jay Z references to my in my thing and uh some Atlanta references that like from like you know, weird songs and uh, uh, I got a reference of, uh, about the Titanic and uh, started from the bottom that we hear and reference to the Titanic. So those two different things that just clashing, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's some, I got certain songs from pop culture and I got certain like, but not many. You know, the older I get and in, in, as an artist is like, I want everything to not have outside influences. You know what I mean? Because I give less of shit about pop culture now, which is good. Because I'm, I was like, oh, I'm an adult now. You're you know an adult. I mean? You're moving on. Yeah, we're not as influenced. It also could date it, so you gotta be careful. No, I understand. Yeah, that those some of those references can date your your material, or if you if you're recording these things, you know what I mean. A lot sure. of people try to put out stuff because it's a hot topic now, but you know, ain't nobody gonna be talking about that shit really like. You know, uh, four months from now, unless you don't feel it, you got to yeah. feel that shit, you know, so. I just want to skip ahead to the the two, what I feel are m- my favorite songs on the record, and I combine both of them, which is Nathaniel in Deliberation. Yeah. Which, starting off with Nathaniel, which is their buddy, Super Nate, uh, who was in the hip-hop group Concrete, and he grew up with them in Atlanta, and it was just him spitting out how he felt about prison and wanting to get out. And I just, I love the lines. I'm surrounded by fake ass crooks. They swear they kingpins, but they don't have money on the, on they books. Yeah. I hear so many lies. It makes me sick. These brothers called ballers selling dimes and nicks. Yep. And just talking about people lying. And then that goes in and sets up liberation, which is the one that I just constantly listen to off this record because this is a mix this song is a mix of hip-hop gospel jazz r&b it's got everybody on it big boy andre CeeLo going deep with like references to noah yeah at the beginning he's talking about he's like i'm so fine been so long struggling Hopelessly, something seven and forty days, or some shit like that. He hits you with that. Big boy talks about his family, trying to please them and himself. So he's going through that dichotomy of of dealing with like pleasing his family and just being real. Erica Badu goes off about the record company and talks about industries and how they feel like they're slaves to the industry. Yeah. 
And it's it's just great. And they're saying when you stop caring about the negative in the world, that's the only way you can be truly liberated. And and I know that I was going to ask you if you believe that, but everything that you've said so far for what you've cut out and dealing with the human experience, it's like this song should just settle in nicely with you. Yeah, that's true, man, because like you're trying to you, – once you liberate yourself from all these outside forces, the hardest thing is to liberate yourself from yourself. Um, I think that's why people go to therapy or do all type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, you liberate yourself from society. You get in that bubble and you keep going and you're like, oh, this is a loop. It's that, this that loop like being on, on mushrooms that might not end. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely resonate with it and it, it, it pushes you so far out. Uh, as, as an explorer, you, you leave home and tell your family like I'm coming back but that pushes you even further away to where you can't go home like all your experiences and stuff make it to where you you can't go back anymore you know and you keep going further and further into that nether realm or the, into the darkness and you find out who you are and I look at people who found out who they were at such a young age and had success at such a young age you know what I mean um and then how long it took me to look, find out who I am and how far I had to go around the world and, like, the few places I've been to even make those discoveries. And still am shocked. The first time I land somewhere, is like, oh, shit, I'm from I'm from a small town. Look where I'm at, you know what I mean? I'm from a small town, and I made it all the way. You know, I done flew 24 hours, and I'm in a whole different place now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who might have the same ideas and values as a small town in a whole different part of the world. Sure. You know. Um, I get it. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely resonate with it, and I think it's beautiful. And you make all these discoveries that's in this one song. Um, and the thing is to be able to have your own liberation, your own version of that uh, someday. That's probably why I identify with the song the most, because I feel – with CeeLo's singing. I might not I might not have understood it the first time yeah. I heard it because I don't get lyrics right away. I had to read them to really get them, but I felt the pain and what he's dealing with. And then Erica Badu just so nonchalant, like, you know, There's truth in that, man. What I just said or what she said? Both. <laughs> Both. Where well, there's some boobaski. That, yeah. There's a lot of boobaski and you don't know me. Yeah, when you Never. when you translate scat, you know, it's a very soulful thing. You <laughs> know? That's, I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen, that is a fucking incredible Erica Badu impersonation. Every mind of records and you get your friend and you get some cash to the bit to rent. Every day you say you're but you live with me and then I give you some money in the town to fit. Come back to me next lifetime. I fucked it up. No, I get it, man. It speaks to me, dude. It definitely speaks to me. And it's like, it's it's crazy because I'm out here like free, and like my parents are like trapped in this and this and this something this weird. It's a weird phone call to wake up from sometimes. And when I say wake up, it's like when I'm skipping around LA and I'm walking the dog and I'm looking at the the fucking observatory and I get a phone call. You know what I mean? From from back home. From back home. Or oh, my mom had a stroke, and I was in a I was in a I was in a, a hotel luxury hotel in New York. You know, drinking wine with my friends. You know what I mean? Uh, complaining about whatever the fuck 
would complain about, you know what I mean, people from Atlanta, you know what I mean? And it's like, man, look at us, you know, that's what I thought I had, you know what I mean? You know, and it's like, oh, shit, like, people from Atlanta that just made it to this level, being a successful lawyer in New York and all these other different things, and then you get this call, and it's like, boom. And it's like, oh, this is the, this is the story of my life, the bittersweet, yeah. you know? So uh, that's just what it is, you know what I mean? Um, and that's real. That's the real part of my life, you know? Yeah. I could be... I could be in a, on an island one day, and in the next, I'm trying to find find out where my father is in the world. Yeah, who's a paranoid schizophrenic who's trying to flee his situation. You know what I mean? And and like realizing, like, oh, I'm I'm I have this thing too. You know, I'm not a paranoid schizophrenic, but I have paranoid thoughts. Sure. And I have self destructive patterns that I've inherited. You know, so you know, yeah. And what to do with that? How can how to get have a child? I'm wanting to have a child now. Realize I don't have a future. I don't have a stake in the world. That's why I cannot. I can live in the bubble. I yeah. cannot look at the news every day because I don't have nothing riding on the future. That's why I can say, yeah, bring it on. Let the world in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where the liberation comes in. Is that freedom? Is that need to be free? You I know? love that. I love it. You want to do some facts? Yeah. You want to do facts, 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 Before settling on the aliases Andre 3000, Andre went by many names. Andre 3K, Dre, Andre Benjamin 3000, Three Stacks, Ice Cold. These are my favorite. Possum Aloysius Jenkins. This is the best one right here. Dookie Blossom Gain the Third and Johnny Vulture. I I, I wish he would have gone with Dookie Blossom Gain the Third. That's, Dookie that, Blossom is Dookie, hilarious. Dookie Blossom. Uh, I've heard all the other names and references to him. I've never heard it. I've, this is my three first stacks. Time. They call them three stacks. You know what Maybe I mean? Maybe I heard it, but I'm not. You're a far bigger Outcast fan than I am. Did you have any nicknames? Well, when up? other rappers talk, yeah, I had um, I had a uh, Rock, um, and Do Rock was the first I remember. Do Lock, Do Rock, Do Rock. Why? Because my head was shaped like a rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I moved to a whole different city, and then they started calling me Fraggle Rock. <clears throat> um, and then uh, Beetle, uh, Bemo. You know, or some of the home nicknames. And then my mom, whatever comes out of her mouth, because we, we bad with names in our family. So sometimes. She call you Byrone? No, so she'll say bye or, or like boy or, you know, some whatever. Whatever she can remember sometimes. That's my mom, too. My mom will name me. She'll be like, she'll be like, hey, uh, Jody, Albert, Mookie, Cuddles, Snooks, Jazz, Josh. She'll yeah. go through everybody in the family. She'll Blanche. Fuck. Whoever answers. Whoever answers, but she, she's always aiming for me, and she always fucks my name up. Um, all right. Andre, like Jay-Z, claimed he never wrote down his lyrics and completely freestyled the vocals to uh, Hey Ya. So how much on stage improv do you do, and how much is written? Do you try to find a balance when you go up? Like, I'm going to I'm gonna be in the moment now, and riff? Or? Now everything is, is riffed. Everything is real. I feel that from you too because it's yeah. like seeing you is like it's I've never after seen, doing like, after doing TV and not yeah it becomes a point as an artist where you got these authentic moments 
and then you got the stuff that you write down and uh i could never it's hard for me to duplicate the the high level of laughter that i can get from being in the moment and the way people resonate with they it. love it it's like if 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 dude that's big j okerson who is doing 90 percent crowd work sometimes yeah I mean, it's just every punchline, every just, it's like an eruption, explosion yeah. of laughter because it's its yeah. so there, so in the moment. But it's there's something beautiful about still I'm formulating gear, I'm a joke. Gearing up for light, I'm gearing up for late night now. But it, I, I think it's everything you think is funny. So you're just going up there and then you're just throwing it out there. It might not work, but you just you still think it's funny. That don't change. So you just keep throwing it out until you get it. Yeah. And then it allows you to go anywhere in the world and do the same sure. thing because you're not married to words. Yep. And like I'm I'm gearing up for late night now, and they and now when you do late night, and I'm have to go in and like learn these bits. The set is stiff. Yeah. And it the person takes all the it takes all the heart out of it. Yeah. You just got it. You got four four and a half minutes, five if you're lucky. Yeah. And you just gotta work that material. Not count laughter because if the laughter comes, that fucks up everything even more. And you it's get a so clean. Break. It's cleaner and it's like they watch it back and back, and you got to get the words right. And then the person last night came and saw me at a club, a rowdy club, and I didn't have to worry about whether it was clean or not. And I did the same jokes, and um, you know, it was a different ball game. It just what it just it just annihilated. It annihilated, and she was like, "That's what I want from the set." That's what I want from the TV set, and it don't come across like that. Well, because you're you you it's it's being you're being you have to feed it to the audience instead of them just putting out the food and letting them pick at yeah. it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like here you have to eat this meal now instead of being like these are the appetizers. We got a chalk cutter plate if you want some. I got into comedy instinctively because it said that this would take me to the promised land. Yeah. So is that moment that still let me know that, you know, the universe is still or God is still saying, like, yo, you got to stick to your guns. Mm -hmm. Big Boy uh, has his own personal strip club built into his house. True. He's got pole, mirrors, lights on the walls. I want to know who's marking the dances. That's what I want to know. <laughs> does, he have like, does he have like a lap dance VIP area? And like, oh, yeah. Like who's managing the shift? I don't know, man. He's you putting know. one of his boys to work from the Dungeon family. He's like, he's like Masada, get your ass on the pole, Masada. Get out of the studio and come work this. Uh, <laughs> we have a company over. From what I hear, man, how that thing works is like, you know how you at the club sometimes? Yeah. And then like the club be like, all right, it's 2 o'clock. We about to close and you want to go longer? Yeah, so that's what he wanted. He's all about the party. Big boy is just, well, I think Andre is the family man and just wants to you know, he really wants to lay on his couch and watch the little kid blow bubbles. Which is funny because Big Boy has the family. Yeah, but Big Boy is the one was having that had the family. Yeah, but but I think Andre is 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 a far more spiritual one. He is, but that's the thing. I mean, he's like, hooking up with Erica. He's Badu. he's torn. Also, he's a torn soul. So it leads to that 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 life of uh that vagabond life. Whereas yeah. Big Boy is the one that had the kids running around at the young age, at 18, 19. Yeah. And we're really about the family and all his businesses are are catered to making, you know, money to provide for his family because he's a businessman. He He's uh, Chalky from uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire. I never. Oh, I know you're talking about. I, I know the character. I never. I didn't finish the show. I watched the first season. Yeah. Um, Big Boy is a registered pit bull breeder. True. Just thought that was fucking cool, man. Um, another fact, uh, 
which Wait. happened way before the dog fighting stuff and stuff like that. He had a kennel, and that produced a, a very good breed of dogs, from my understanding. You actually, you've got like people that do you have new, do you have people that breed dogs? I mean, you just shown me you're like you have family that's got like the, my sister those... got Kane Kane Corso and like a lot of my friends they had like pit bulls and uh, the boxers, the Breno boxers, you know, purebred beautiful dogs. And I think it was I remember seeing a dog fighting tape recruitment tape one Christmas uh, in the family room and I seen how dogs were like murdered and like bred to fight and what do you do with the ones that's not the strongest and stuff like that which was weird and then I think a year later that Michael Vick situation happened mm-hmm. and I was like oh this was a this was a pyramid scheme <laughs> you know how you be hearing about stuff like yeah you want to make some money this is how you do it and that was a recruitment tape for that thing before it, it, the bottom fell out. Oh God! It's like hearing about a stock, and then by the time you hear about it, it's too late. You buy in when everybody's selling, and you're yeah. like, "Ain't that a bitch? They got my ass." <laughs> you're like, "I just got five bull mastiffs." I just got some weed stocks because weed stocks is where it's at. Cool dude. to be in a drug game. Fuck still. yeah, dude. Uh, Andre Benjamin believed that the mention of aliens in their songs attracted more white people to their shows. Uh, is is that a way of selling out and and finding a white audience? And, and in any way, have you sold out to try to find a white audience? No, because I I got crossed over younger. You know what I mean? I think I'm gonna cross back over to a black audience by mentioning the drugs and and stuff that I was around. You know, but I've been mentioning aliens. If I want if I wanted to be a vampire growing up, you know, imagine walking in the black rooms talking about that shit. Talking about what? Like wanting to be a vampire growing up. They try to put you in the nerd category, but it's like, I don't read comic books enough to be a nerd. No, I get it. So, yeah, I don't I don't think you do nothing to have a white audience. They either fuck with you or you don't. But I think eventually on your journey, you, you will learn how to be for everybody if you do it right. You know what I mean? Sure. All right. Before at least releasing any other music, Outkast's original name was between Two Shades Deep and Misfits. And then after they realized that uh, both of those names were taken... They checked on the synonyms uh, of misfits and discovered outcasts. So the question I got to ask is, is the stage for misfits? Oh, um, I don't Do know, man. Do you feel like you have to be an outcast to be the person, like, to, to be able to go up there and open up and, and bear your soul? Because some people don't. Think about the songwriters who written the best hits. They, they're not out on the stage. You know what I mean? And some people are just, like, corporate themselves so i think it depends on the artist and the art form sure you know now if you're talking about like some of the heavy hitters i mean and i'm talking about from everybody when you hear their voice and i'm only naming these two people because i thought they were black when i heard their voice yeah uh uh amy winehouse you know what i mean somebody with that much soul uh or, or whatever conviction and uh and uh and you can hear it and it comes across, and I'm like, yeah, this is a misfit. It takes a misfit to be a Miles Davis or or somebody like Amy. Like a Tom House. York from Radiohead. It's just he's that's everything that he sings about Beck. It's like they might have been popular in their cliques, yeah, but in like you know, like pop I, I, culture or the grand scheme. Yeah, of things. I mean they're they're just not. It's like you know, usually it's not like the most popular kid in school that is the most artistic. They're just confident and. And able to do that. Most artists yeah. are we're we're like we're battered in the inside. I mean, I'm my if I said if I said the things I say to myself about myself and my art, if somebody else said that to me, I'd fucking kill him. Yeah, you know that's what I true. mean? It's like I'm my that's hardest true. 
critic. Yeah. And it's like I never felt like I fit in, even though everybody looks at me and goes, oh, you, what are you talking about? You fit in with everybody. And, and on my inside, I, it's, I think – and that's, that's the cool thing about talking about this shit is that most people that are doing what I do – feel the exact same way it's yeah. like we feel like we're just alone even when we're surrounded by so many people so i, I love that to to think of that that's how they got their name because they felt like misfits and then that shows and then it shows with dre which is what our next fact is which is one of dre's great passions is fashion and you really start seeing it come out in equimini so he was particularly into kilts and antique scarves and he has his own fashion line called Benjamin Bixby. Yep. I remember BB, yeah, which is a good name. And you're very interested in fashion. I mean, like, as I said, you're wearing the pink uh, Serapa right now. That's yeah. your girls. I've seen you wear parachute jumpsuits. I've seen you wear ponchos on stage. I created the male clutch. You can't buy style, people. No, you can't. You, but also, I think what you do is that you just rock that shit with confidence. And I think that's what, like, you can't, the clothes can't wear you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to wear the clothes. I wear a lot of trash, though. That's something I started. A lot, of shit, I, a lot of my trash. I'm yeah, a lot of my you, homeboys <laughs> trash. I'm giving you a lot of my clothes. I still, you know what's funny? What makes it through the collection? I guess the only way to end this is, is just to use a quote uh, from Andre when he was asked about outcast take on hip hop. And he says, we're from the hood, but that's not where our music stayed. And I don't think there's any other way wow, that, you could, that you could sum up wow. who Outkast is. Byron, this was so fantastic, man. Thank you for joining me on this. I got to uh, use that. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Well, that's that's you. Your comedy didn't stay in the hood. Well, I didn't either. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm in Los Feliz now. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Told you Byron was interesting. Love that man to death. Uh, if you're looking for Byron, all things Byron, you can find at ByronBowersLive.com. Check there for all upcoming dates. And he's Byron Bowers on all social media. Now, one of the cool things that I'm going to be doing is we just talked about Outkast. We, talk, we learned a lot about Byron, the music that he grew up listening to. I'm asking all the guests that are on this show to make a mixtape. I want them to make a mixtape of 10 songs, around 10 songs that they they listen to now or they grew up listening to or whatever. Just whatever music they fuck with. I want a mixtape so you, the audience, can see what's inside their head and their hearts when it comes to music. So I'll be posting his mixtape track listing link on all my social media and we're going to be posting it on the website and all music platforms. So please check that out, guys. Email if you want to. Talk to me or some of the producers like Jeremiah or David or Peter. Email us at the500podcast at gmail.com. The500podcast at gmail.com. And follow me, everybody. Follow me on all social media. It's at Josh Adam Myers, spelled M-E-Y-E-R-S. Do not spell it M-Y-E-R-S. I'm sick and tired of people doing that. It's at Josh Adam Myers. You can see me November 6th at the Warsaw in Brooklyn doing the goddamn Comedy Jam. Or November 15th at the Roxy. We're doing a goddamn Comedy Jam for my birthday uh, with Bill Burr and Jim Jeffries. November 17th, 
Actually, that one sold out. So November 18th, Ryan Sickler and I are going to be at The Famous in Baltimore, Maryland. If you're looking for tickets for all things Josh Adam Myers, go to joshadammyers.com. All the tickets will be there, and you can find us at the500podcast.com. Also, one of the cool things that I really wanted to do was introduce new music. So you heard Outcast Equemini. Now, let's see where we're going, right? Each week, we're going to be featuring an unsigned artist that is directly influenced by the album we're discussing. That's a fucking great idea, Josh. I know. I know. During an ayahuasca trip, I thought of it. So, this week, we have Atlanta-based hip-hop group Earth Gang. We're putting one of their songs on there. I really like this song. It's from 2015. It's called Licka Stow. Check out this group. We're going to be posting Earth Gang's social media on the 500 website, okay? So if you want to hear your music featured at the end of the 500, send your music and info to our email, 500podcast at gmail.com. If you think your music matches one of the albums that we have coming up and you were directly influenced, I want your music. I want to help you out. I want to, I want the audience to hear some new shit. So send your music, okay? And please let us know what album you were influenced by in the subject line. Do it. I want to help you. Let me help you. And help me by helping you. You know what I mean? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate and review. Give it a five-star review, everybody. I want to get the word out. I think that's how this works. This is the stuff my producers told me to say. Guys, I've taped this shit like 57 times. So this is the one you get. Thank you guys so much for doing all of this. I can't thank you enough. Also, you've got some homework to do. If you're going on this record book club journey of the 500 greatest albums ever recorded in the history of mankind... This was 500. Next week is number 499, and it's B.B. King live at Cook County Jail. Get to listening. I love you. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Bye. I ain't even tripping no more. Tired of trying to shake niggas out they sleep. It's a feast on the table. Let my dog knock it over off the spill. I bet everybody eat. Trying to make the fucking best of God. Giving the ability. You can tell it's a storm on the way. Hope the bitch niggas smell it. Only truth on my loop to this shit you telling. Linking up with better plugs. Got a nigga disconnected. So we ain't fucking with the bar. We ain't fucking up the club tonight. Bitches in my cellular device. Call them up the smoking for the night. Take a shot for Rosie Lost when we was young. They really ain't deserved to die. I remember everyone that told me no. But nowadays they can't deny. I don't hold grudges. No, 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 no. Those are bitches with nothing to do. I'd rather give niggas nothing but just live life like it's nothing to lose. Oh, shit, my bad, my bad. Where are my manners, man? Please allow me to reintroduce. It's not that a loopy is newbie and you ever knew. Pray to God every day for some new revenue. Revenue, 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 revenue.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.